This afternoon we turn to Leviticus, the book relating to the Levites. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, the third of the five books of Moses, and the Torah, the law, books of the law. The famous verse is found in the middle of chapter 17, but I would like to commence at the beginning. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron and unto his sons, and unto all the children of Israel, and say unto them, This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded, saying, What man soever there be of the house of Israel that killeth an ox or lamb or goat in the camp, or that killeth it out of the camp, and bringeth it not unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, to offer an offering unto the Lord before the tabernacle of the Lord, Blood shall be imputed unto that man. He has shed blood. And that man shall be cut off from among his people. To the end that the children of Israel may bring their sacrifices which they offer in the open field even that they may bring them unto the Lord unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation unto the priest and offer them for peace offerings unto the Lord. And the priest shall, uh, shall sprinkle the blood upon the altar of the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation and burn the fat for a sweet savor unto the Lord. And notice why these uh, particularly personal injunctions, if we, if we divide the, the book, the first 16 chapters deal with their public worship and the following chapters deal with their private lives and their private worship. And so, verse 7 tells us that the reason why they're not to kill the animals in the, in the, in the open, uh, and particularly keep in mind that only two and a half tribes really had the herds, the um, tribe of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. So, there really wouldn't be any reason for the other tribes to be killing these animals for sacrifice unless... They were doing so, like verse 7 says, to offer sacrifices unto devils. The word devils is interesting, goat gods, after whom they have gone a whoring. This shall be a statute forever unto them throughout their generations. So they were to bring the, the, the sacrifices to the temple or to the tabernacle and that the priests would deal with the blood. So we, we have a chapter beginning to tell us about the special nature of the blood as a picture of Christ's blood in the future. So remember, these are types and shadows pointing ahead, but dealing with their personal lives out in the field and so on. Um, the Lord is showing them even in their daily routine they are to... Um, see the life of the beast as in a sense sacred and especially the blood of the beast they are to deal with it in a special way and they are not to uh, uh, stoop to the ways of the heathen around them many times in the Old Testament remember our memory verses um, after the doings of the land of Egypt wherein ye dwelt shall ye not do and after the doings of the land of Canaan where I, whither I bring you shall ye not do, but ye shall, neither shall ye walk in their ordinances, and so on. 
That's in uh, this cha- this in, in the very next chapter. You see that. And thou shalt say unto them, Whatsoever man there be of the house of Israel or of the strangers which sojourn among you that offereth a burnt offering or sacrifice and bringeth it not unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation to offer it unto the Lord, even that man shall be cut off from among his people. So the Lord is, is, is jealous of their worship and of their personal holiness. And whatsoever man there be of the house of Israel or of the strangers that sojourn among you that eateth any manner of blood, and you're going to see this throughout the rest of this chapter, I will even set my face against that soul that eateth blood and will cut him off from among his people. And he gives the reason, and this is obviously anticipating the Gospel. It's a picture of the Gospel. Verse 11, For the life of the flesh, very famous verse, should be memorized by all. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. So a great gospel text that's anticipating the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Obviously, the blood of bulls and goats cannot take away sin, cannot make an atonement for sin, but it's figurative, it's prophetic in nature. Therefore, they were to show real respect for the blood because it was a picture whenever an animal was killed and it shed its blood or the blood was used in a, in a religious way. It was all to be uh, related to the Lord Jesus Christ and we are to handle sacred things, even types and shadows, with respect and with gospel thinking, right? Therefore I said unto the children of Israel, No soul of you shall eat blood, neither shall any stranger that sojourneth among you eat blood. It's interesting how um, even after Christ rose from the dead, um, you remember that that the disciples even commanded the Gentiles. We can understand them commanding them not to commit fornication. But even to eat things that were strangled, because they didn't, the blood wasn't wasn't uh, shed from those strangled animals. Uh, if, a, if a knife was taken to the throat, then it, it bled out. But an animal or a bird or something that was just strangled was not uh, bled out, and uh, perhaps it was related to the the Gentile worship in that day and that may have passed <clears throat> but the Lord Jesus even even makes a statement that except you eat his flesh and drink his blood you have no life in you we know that's metaphorical but yet he's pointing to the preciousness of the blood as a picture remember verse 11 again the life of the flesh is in the blood And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. And now even to hunters. And here we are in November and December. Hunting season here in western New York and in in New York State. And probably in the northeast. Whatsoever man there be of the children of Israel or of the strangers that sojourn among you. Which hunteth and catcheth any beast or fowl that may be eaten. He shall even pour out the blood thereof and cover it with dust. 
the repeat again, for it is the life of all flesh. The blood of it is for the life thereof. See how it's repeated. That's the third time. Therefore I said unto the children of Israel, you shall eat uh, the blood of no manner of flesh for the life of all flesh. Fourth time is the blood thereof. Whosoever eateth it shall be cut off. So even the Lord is dictating the, the everyday life in our sports, in our wasn't so sport it was so much as a sport in their day it was for food but even in our everyday quest for life in our, our engagements in recreation the Lord is to be honored we are never to lose sight of the Lord so you can almost we should be picturing a, say a Christian hunter here in in uh, the northeast what should what should happen when we down a deer or even a turkey or a fox or a coyote or something along those lines. What should happen? The Christian should bow to the Lord where the animal is laying and thank God for His provision and thank God for His protection and for a a beast that's edible, a bird, to uh, give the Lord thanks for our food, for our meat, but to make sure that the blood is bled out. And even to, even a hunting expedition can be a time where Calvary is brought into focus. Whenever we see the blood being shed out, the Lord is obviously anticipating something in the future. And uh, certainly the respect for even the life of a beast the Bible says in Proverbs, the righteous man regardeth the life of his beast. And no one should be just uh, haphazardly killing animals and birds just for the sake of killing. It should be for a purpose. A purpose for food. A purpose to uh, reduce the, the, uh, the, the, the volume of, of animals because of the threat of, of accidents and so on. Of damage to vehicles. But there should be a respect for what God has given us. And so even as we, as we hunt or you see an animal dead because of an accident, we should be thinking that this isn't the way it was when the Lord first created the heavens and the earth. We're in a land of the dying. And that every, every creature is, is the Lord's. And that when we see blood, we should be thinking of the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ and the gospel should be always on our mind and an opportunity to bring the gospel to friends that we may hunt with uh, who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 15, And every soul that eateth that which dieth of it, died of itself or that which was torn with beasts, whether it be one of your own country or a stranger, notice he, he dictated the visitors that came. How often do we let our lives dictated by visitors so we miss a church service because we have visitors rather than you know that we, we don't offend the Lord so that we don't we don't offend the Lord lest we offend our friends or visitors or relatives we're always wanting to honor the Lord so he's saying even with your especially with your strangers whatever their manner may have been before, to eat the blood. And there are people that have blood soup and they eat the blood of animals. And uh, you may 
we, we may uh, debate whether that should be done today, but it says he shall both wash his clothes and bathe himself in water and be unclean until the evening. Then shall he be clean. But if he wash them not, nor bathe his flesh, then he shall bear his iniquity. So the Lord is showing us the, uh, the sacredness of life and also the, uh, the picture of the shedding of the blood of a creature pointing to the shedding of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ which should have been on the minds of people realizing that it's, it's not a lamb that takes away the sin of the world. It's the Lamb of God. Let's pray. Oh God, I thank Thee for these lessons and Your Word. You are sovereign not only our, over our, our worship, our public worship of the Lord's Day. You're sovereign over us in every, on every day in all of our lives in our home life in our private life our, our work life oh Lord help us to submit to Thee we pray as we come to the Lord's table that we might come prepared of heart that we might realize the, the, the atoning nature of the blood of Jesus Christ Your Son may we not downplay the blood we pray that we would see that his is the, the most sacred of all, the blood of man and beast. Jesus is our Savior and the Son of God. We pray in His name. Amen. I would like us to focus on verse 11 for the brief time we have together before we partake of the Lord's table. Read it once again. For the life of the flesh is in the blood And I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that maketh atonement for the soul. So our our thought this afternoon is the blood of Christ atones. The blood that maketh atonement for the soul. And three thoughts as we break down this verse. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, the preciousness of the blood. And I have given it to you to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls, the pouring out of the blood, for it is the blood that maketh atonement for the soul, and so really the power of the blood in that third thought. So three P's this afternoon, the preciousness, the pouring, and the power of the blood. We read together earlier a parallel verse to this in Hebrews 9 verse 22 without the shedding of blood is no remission or no forgiveness or no atonement and uh, very close to this text isn't it and this text as well as the previous texts on the sacrifices of the animals and birds uh, are now anticipating the atoning death of the Messiah in the future, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, man has to receive justice without a doubt. Justice doesn't require mercy. Do we understand that? Justice is required when we fell into sin. God must punish sin. Justice must be meted out. 
justice does not require mercy. In other words, the fall of man did not necessitate the death of Jesus Christ. But God can be merciful. But mercy must also include and require justice. Justice does not require mercy. But mercy requires justice or includes justice. In other words, if God is going to show mercy, He's got to do so uh, and uphold His justice. And how can that be? How can God release sinners from the penalty of sin and yet still be just and yet still carry out justice? Well, this is beginning to teach the gospel of the atonement of Jesus Christ. The life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Calvary is the justice, and Calvary also is the place where mercy is found. Mercy and justice meet together at the death of Jesus Christ. So the Lord is teaching His people in this chapter the regard for blood, the regard for blood um, because of the idolatrous use of blood by the Gentiles around them and uh, that an, an, an abuse of the blood and a, a uh, lowering of their standards and even participating in the, in the heathen rites of their false gods would bring atonement into disregard. In other words, if if he just, even in their private lives, let them handle the blood very carelessly, it would not maintain their respect for the pictures of their sacrifices that were, that were making atonement for their souls as a picture of Christ. He wanted them to keep up a regard for the life of the flesh that's in the blood because it was all pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, we're to be very careful in our personal lives to, uh, to, to not bring into disrepute the, uh, the uh, rights of, our, of the gospel. We are to be very careful to maintain reverence for the things of God when we're outside the public worship services. We should teach our children the the respect of sitting when we read the Bible, of appreciating when we sing the praises of God, um, that we see people as souls that will live somewhere forever and not uh, let down our guard, so to speak, in our everyday life that, that uh, kind of lower our, our, our respect for the things of God. Just like even like I said in hunting they were to uh, make sure that the blood was, was shed and, and to see this as a picture of the fact that life is being uh, is ebbing away as the blood is, is, uh, is being drained from the animal it's amazing how strong these animals are after they're arrowed or shot that a human being would drop like that if we were hit by a bullet or, or an arrow. And you can see uh, on film these 
deer that are hit with an arrow and they begin to run and you can see the blood pouring out of the wound and they run sometimes for a hundred yards or even more the strength of these beasts and then they fall and and in a sense as we get to the beast we should thank God for the animal and, and show respect for the fact that it, it, it is a creature of God and as we see the blood uh, that's drained and the, and the puddle of blood there is that thought of that should be thought of the regard for the atonement that God has secured through the blood shedding of his son the Lord Jesus Christ so he says the life of the flesh is in the blood now that says obviously the blood contains life, life's essentials when you drain the blood, you, you kill a person or a creature. You kill the body. And I think they used to do that in the old days. To drain the blood is to die. You don't drain the blood of, a, of, a, of an animal unless, or a human being unless it's dead or unless it, you're killing it. And what happens when a human being dies? The blood is bled from it. And then the veins are filled with uh, embalming fluid. So we find three times in this chapter the life, actually four times that the life of the flesh is in the blood. And so it's, it's saying that the blood is precious. It's precious blood. It's, it's needed. It's absolutely needed for the life of that body, of that flesh. And again, these are all anticipating. If the blood of beasts is precious made you know, by the Lord the life of the beast what's it say again in Proverbs precious um, um, the, right, the righteous regardeth the life of his beast if a beast's life is regarded and a human's life we're made in the image of God we're, we're, we're bearing the image of God and therefore the sacredness, the sanctity of human life, and it's at stake in this election of human beings that have been conceived and and uh, and born and made in the image of God should be respect. How much more is it pointing to the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glories of the only begotten of the Father. And so when we see the the, the bread. Symbolizing Jesus' body and his the cup, symbolizing his his blood. Let's remember we're remembering the death of the Son of God. We're remembering the flesh of God today. We're remembering that God became man. That that the, that as it says in First Timothy three sixteen, God was manifest in the flesh. We remember the Lord Jesus today. We bow to thank Him for the preciousness of His blood. And how often people will simply say, well, the shedding of Jesus' blood means His death. We're really not to, to uh, say much about the blood, but about the death of Jesus Christ. I, I beg to differ. The Bible over and over again says it's the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin. You never read that it's replaced by the death of Jesus Christ uh, cleanses us from all sin. It's true that 
all of it goes together. But the blood, there's something of the blood that's precious to God because it's the blood of His Son. And the shedding of blood is a picture of wrath. It's a picture of, of, of the, uh, the, the killing, the dying of the person due to trauma, due to injury. And so when we read the life of the flesh is in the blood over and over again, we can't help but, but anticipate it. prophesies that, that behold the Lamb of God that's in your midst. Behold the preciousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we look at these elements, we're seeing through them to see Jesus. Unto you that believe, He is precious. Do we see the preciousness of Christ in this statement? The life of His flesh, the life of Jesus the the man, is in the blood. There was real blood flowing in Emmanuel's veins. Do we not sing that that hymn uh, of Emmanuel's veins? What is that hymn that that, that we sing? We sing so many songs about the blood. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So we need to see the preciousness of the blood. Let's never forget the preciousness of the blood of Jesus Christ. Then he says, And I have given it to you upon the altar. Literally we read, And I myself. There's a pronoun added there. I myself have given it to you upon the altar. God's saying, It's my idea. This idea of the incarnation of my Son in human flesh, with human blood, but it's the blood of God. I myself have given it to you upon the altar. Notice, it doesn't say simply, I've given it to you upon the earth. He's anticipating. Is it not a statement that's pointing to Calvary? Calvary was the altar. But every time they put an animal on the altar at the the tabernacle or in the temple, or a goat, or a bird. Every time they put a a, a life there, having shed the blood, or shedding it as as it's there, it's pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ hanging on the tree of Calvary. And what was happening to Jesus' blood as He was crucified, and as He was nailed to the tree? What was happening? It was pouring out. It was bleeding out of his body. And there was even some left when the spear hit. And you know, in some senses, it was a miracle that he lived as long as he did. That Jesus did not die from the, the, the uh, shedding of his blood. But we might say, well, there, the, the holes were, were not that large. And even, even though there, there seemed to have been two at least spikes that were that were nailed into his hands if they were together and into his feet Jesus was bleeding and I know they are the extremities of his body but when they thrust the sword in out came blood and water but Jesus remember had 
that had the crown of thorns thrust upon his scalp. Jesus was bleeding, as it were, drops of blood in the, the night before it in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was the precious blood of Jesus that was being shed. But not only the preciousness, but the pouring out of His blood. And that's what it seems to say, that there's no forgiveness except by the, the, uh, the, the blood. Chapter 9 of, of verse 22. Without the shedding, the pouring out, of the blood of Jesus Christ, there is no forgiveness. In other words, Jesus could not have saved us, and I say this respectfully, if He was strangled to death. The, the overall teaching of the New Testament or the Old Testament was that the final sacrifice, the Lamb of God, Psalm 22, the, the, the death must be by blood shedding for us to be saved. Therefore, the cross of Christ is such a perfect uh, fulfillment of the sacrifices of the animals whose throats were slit. Yet Jesus, that would have been a simple thing. He would have lost consciousness quickly. His blood would have been shed fast if they had just taken a sharp knife and, 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 and slit His throat. But Jesus chose a slow death didn't he? When he was crucified at Calvary. It was God's idea. The emphasis is on the source of the plan. I myself have given it to you upon the altar. And oh how those priests saw the blood spilling, shedding, pouring down upon the altar. Blood everywhere. Blood being sprinkled on the people. Blood being applied to the horns of the altar. Blood being poured out at the sides of the altar. Blood everywhere. The priests were drenched, stained with blood. And oh, it's a picture that Jesus Christ shed His blood to save my soul. My Savior had His blood shed from that precious body to save me. And I, I like the parallel where God the Father says, I myself have given it to you upon the altar. You know what it says of Jesus when the angel told Joseph after he told Mary that, he, that their son would be named Jesus? Matthew one twenty one, Thou shalt call his name Jesus for he himself shall save you from your sins. He didn't just say he shall save you from your sins. And neither did He say, His name will be Jesus, for God shall save you from your sins. But He literally Himself, it doesn't say that in some of our English versions, for He Himself, so you add the, the pronoun is added. In other words, just like the Father said, it was His idea and it was His action to cause atonement for sins to be forgiven. Jesus Himself would save us from our sins. He is the one who is in absolute control of the plan of salvation. The preciousness of the blood, the pouring out of the blood. And then He says, I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. And He doubles it. For it is the blood that maketh an atonement for the soul. Literally, 
It's, it's actually an infinitive where we read, it is a blood that, uh, that is to atone for the soul. I've given it to you upon the altar to atone for your souls. For it is the blood that atones for your souls. So you have an infinitive and you have a verb. So the Lord is saying there's power in that blood. It atones. The word atone means to cover. So we could make the statement, Jesus, Calvary, we sing that. Calvary covers it all. And when we say that, I'll cover your expense. It means I, I take responsibility to cover the expense uh, for your meal, for the trip, for the journey, for, for your, your, your injury or what have you. The Lord Jesus said, I'll cover, I'll cover your sins. I'll cover you as a sinner to save you and to give you eternal life. Because it's His blood that has such power. Again, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And we also sing there's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. Blood of Emmanuel's veins. The word atone is the word kippur. And we remember that. The day of atonement is, in Hebrew language, Yom Kippur. You know what that word is translated in Genesis 6.14 when Noah is building the ark? He tells Noah to pitch it within and without. The word pitch means to cover, to seal it, to uh, keep the, the moisture from getting in and from and I suppose the warmth from getting out and any moisture from within. But the Lord Jesus covers our sins. He, he protects us from the wrath of God. And He takes care of our sin and takes it away. Christ's blood purges away our sin. Sin is covered in the sense it's removed. That's expiation. And in, in, in Jesus' blood covers God's wrath. In other words, God's wrath. He covers us from the wrath of God. That's propitiation. And that's the double picture in the previous chapter, 16. Remember that they chose two goats. One goat was slain. One goat, goat was taken into the wilderness. The slain guilt was the, the slain goat was a picture of our sins or God's wrath being covered, God's wrath being placated, God's wrath being um, propitiated. In other words, the wrath of God inside that, that box, inside the Ark of the Covenant, contained the Ten Commandments. And what did the Ten Commandments say? to the sinner. What does the what do the Ten Commandments say to the guilty party? They cry out guilty, wrath, punishment. What happened though when you put the lid on? The lid speaking of Christ's blood, Christ's sacrifice. It silenced the law. It covered the wrath of God that was due us. And so when the guilt when the goat was killed, Adam 
Aaron took the blood into the holy place once a year. And he did it with his linen garments. Speak of the purity of Jesus Christ in his life. Took off his golden garments. And went in once a year and sprinkled that Ark of the Covenant with the blood of that gold. Silencing the wrath of God that was crying out from within for the death and the punishment of the sinner. But then you remember Aaron came back out again continuing his linen garments and put his hands upon the live goat, confessing his and our sins, the people's sins upon that animal is a picture of the transfer of guilt and a fit man speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, fit being the Son of God and the sinless Savior. A fit man, so someone that could walk a long distance, someone that was in shape, someone that was young. And so you can see that person perhaps with a leash and a, and a rope around the, the, uh, the goat's neck, taking that goat and everybody standing there. Can you imagine being in that, in that line, however long it was, as he escorted, as it were, as he took that goat out into the wilderness, beyond the camp, far beyond the camp, and then let it go. And the goat thinking that it was safe and it was now free and it was so excited to be released. The fit man lets it go and he leaves. And the goat, no doubt, by the evening is either struck by a lightning bolt of God as, as a picture of our sin because it was bearing our sin, figuratively speaking, or uh, being killed by a predator, but certainly not surviving the night. But the point is, our sins are gone away. God's wrath is covered. Our sins are removed. It's a double picture speaking of the atonement of Jesus Christ. Jesus was the priest, was the altar. He was the sacrifice. He was the fit man that took himself, that himself came here and, and lived a sinless life and walked into the arrest of all of his enemies and took his crucifixion so manly, so bravely, did he not? And died so so lovingly for you and me, so confidently knowing that he was going to rise from the dead to save us from the death of deaths. We hear a, an ambulance so often right across the street going to an emergency how death meets us every day people in our communities are going into eternity death is a serious thing but Jesus entered death's domain to show us that we don't have to be afraid to die that we can die in confidence and peace knowing that Jesus suffered the death of death so that we might avoid the second death this verse tells us that the preciousness of the blood, the pouring out, the shedding of the blood, and the power of the blood of the Lord Jesus. Let us keep these things in mind as we partake this afternoon of the Lord's table. What a Savior who lived and died, shedding His blood for our sins, but rose from the dead to tell us that, our, that He's accomplished our 
forgiveness at the cross. That's what he said to Moses and Elijah. He said that he's going to accomplish our redemption at the cross. By his, his death, by his decease, he was going to accomplish something. And it was the salvation of our souls. And he was saying to Moses and Elijah, the only reason you can be in heaven now is because of what I'm going to do in the next in the next few days. What a Savior. So confident he was going to the cross that he could bring Adam all the way to Malachi and the thief on the cross to heaven because he was dying in their place. He died in our place. Set us free.